Hello, welcome to, back to Joko Yo. It's been a while. It's been a few months since a new episode. Things got kind of wacky, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Pandemics in 2020 and whatnot. But this new episode, and uh, just as excited to do this one as I was the very first one. And today, um, it's going to go something like this. You know, there, there will always be a soft spot in my heart for the music of Hank Williams, always will be. Now, mind you, I don't mean at all that I also like the music of Hank Williams Jr. or, or and, and as Hank Jr. himself said, that his type of music and his daddy's wasn't exactly the same. No kidding, bud. Now, who I'm referring to is actually Hank Williams Sr., who died about 30 years before I was even born. And still, though, his music was a large part of my childhood. My grandfather was a huge fan, and some of my fondest memories were of him driving me around town, country, with Hank Williams singing to us, either on 8-track or tape, depending on the car he had. My grandfather sang, and so did I, and I'm sure I knew the words to at least 30 of his songs before I was 10 years old. And My grandmother, however, his wife, thought that old Hank had about the worst singing voice that she had ever heard, which was okay, because that meant that Hank, my grandpa, and me formed a trio singing loud with the windows down, putting on concerts for anybody that wanted to hear, they, they could, at least once per month for the fine people in southern Johnston, eastern Harnett County portion of North Carolina. In fact, once we were putting on such a concert on a warm summer Saturday as we pulled in front of Doyle Barber's store in the town of Coates, we sang until my grandfather Put the El Camino in park. We got out, headed for a cold RC cola, and as soon as we walked in, Mr. Barber and three customers gave us standing ovations. When the applause stopped, Mr. Barber said that the only flaw in the music was the two people that were singing along with Hank. But the performance was worthy of an ovation, even if a little boy and an old man were determined to ruin the song. My Many people, including my grandfather, held Hank Williams up as something legendary, something almost bigger than a simple mortal, I guess in the same way that others later saw Elvis Presley. They, those kinds of people were like monuments, more monuments than they were to men, or more than were men to, to some people. I mean, songs were sung about him, movies were made about him, books were written about him. But the core of the hype and the Olympian pedestals that they occupied in people's hearts were flesh and blood people. And Mr. Williams, Hank Williams Sr., was plagued with spina bifida and the pain that went along with it, like nearly his whole life. And he turned to medicine, both legal and not, and alcohol to help him with it. And uh, they eventually killed him at the age of 29. But for a while, this man was on top of the world, putting out one hit single after another. And it didn't stop after his death either. After he was dead, much like Biggie Smalls, he, he had two number one songs the year after he died, a number three and a number seven. He's legendary enough that he received a Grammy, a Pulitzer, and several awards for music videos after he was dead. But we know from history that as, again, as monumental as Hank Williams was to American music, Hank as a person was, well, as we say here, a hot mess. 
Maybe it's the effect of being instantly famous that makes big musicians hot messes. I don't know. I mean, like Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Juice World, all died really early, and as a result, mostly of their own reckless actions. And I don't know how Taylor Swift has avoided it. Maybe it's because she's not as much of a creative musician as they were. I don't know. This fame certainly had a negative impact on Britney Spears. I mean, whose picture probably appears beside the term hot mess in a dictionary. But again, I digress. Hank was a mess. He was such a mess that because of his ridiculous popularity and musical giftedness, he became a member of the Grand Ole Opry, almost, I guess, despite it. But then he was kicked out of his membership soon after. It, along with, um, it's sort of like along the lines of Pete Rose not being allowed in the Baseball Hall of Fame, despite his undeniable contributions to the sport, or if Michael Jordan's name, number, and anything about his con- contributions to basketball were removed and banned from the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's sort of like that. Banning Hank Williams from the Opry is like, say what? I mean, it would have to be really, really bad. And for Hank, it, you know, it kind of was. You see, the Grand Ole Opry used to farm out shows. Sometimes they would send Opry members from time to time to do concerts around the country. It's kind of cool that the radio stations record it and broadcast it. They were touring acts, if you will, and Hank was, for a while, on the touring team along with a guy named the Duke of Paducah. He was a musical comedian, I guess, along the lines of uh, Minnie Pearl, and a guy named Big Bill Lister. He stood about six foot seven, apparently. He called himself the world's tallest singing cowboy. Now, other touring teams later on consisted of Grandpa Jones, Minnie Pearl, and Bill Monroe, you know, uh, Grand Ole Opry, like staples. But 1951, the headliner was old Hank himself. Of course, for acts that big, you would of course need a big venue to hold all the people because there would certainly be a crowd. Not every town could accommodate such a big crowd. Not only do you have Hank Williams coming to town, you also have Grand Ole Opry stars. But the city of Rocky Mount had just opened a very large tobacco warehouse called Planters Warehouse Number no. 2 that the townspeople thought probably was up to the task. And an agreement was made between the city and the Opry, and a date was announced for a mega concert starring Hank Williams. May 25th, 1951. Now, it's not every day that you get Hank Williams, after all. So the event was going to be a big a big event. It was to be so big that it was going to be not just one show, but two shows. One afternoon show starring Hank and one evening show with the Opry Stars first, a break, and then a show with what was being billed as the world's largest square dance to go on all night long. It was to be sponsored by Rocky Mount Radio Station WEED. Yes, that's right, Weed. It still operates today as a gospel music station, but 1951, it could sponsor Opry stars. Now, one of the radio personalities at WEED was to follow Hank and the guys with his own band and play through the night. Can you imagine having to follow Hank Williams? Wow. Now, the guy's name that was supposed to follow Hank Williams was a guy named Tal Pollard, Talmudge Pollard. He's from the Elevation Community in Johnston County, and he got his radio start with 
the radio station WPDF in 1926 and then moved to WEED with his group, the Johnston County Ramblers. And every Saturday afternoon, beginning in 1948, he did the world's exclusive barn dance, as he called it. But on this night in 1951, he was going to play on stage after and with possibly some Opry stars. It was announced for weeks in newspapers all around on the radio stations and tickets were sold and the excitement was ridiculously high. Hank had a reputation, even then. So people did not know if he was actually coming or not. I mean, really, they already knew. But they were relieved when they got confirmation that he was on the way. Hank Williams was coming to town, and and Johnston's own Tal Pollard was on the bill with him. Now, just before he left, on the way to Rocky Mount, Hank had written a song, and it was a long ride, you know, after all. He'd already written it, had already recorded it in a studio before he left, but here he was on the train just trying to make it work. He didn't like it. He wrote the song and couldn't just seem to make it work. He, I mean, like I say, he recorded it, decided he really didn't like it, but he kept playing with it on the ride to Rocky Mount, tried to figure out what he was going to do with it, tried to change the tone, tried to change the pitch, tried to change the, the tempo, just couldn't make it work. And one of his tour mates, Big Bill Lister, heard Hank playing with some variations of this song and sat down next to him on the on the bus on the way, and Hank was exasperated. He just could not make this song work no matter how much he wanted to. So in frustration, he asked Lister if he wanted the song. He, he could have it. Hank didn't care. He could have it. He could record it. It didn't matter. And of course, Bill Lister said, of course I'll take it. Who wouldn't want a Hank Williams song to, to I mean... By Big Bill Lister, written by Hank Williams. That's big time. So Lister said, of course, yes. And Hank gave him the recording he had. It's yours. Now, when they arrived in Rocky Mount, things were getting ready for them to take the stage. And Tal Pollard and his Johnston County Ramblers were getting ready for the stage. They were practicing. The stage was being set up. And Hank Williams arrived in Rocky Mount. And when he got off the bus... Stone drunk. Absolutely stone drunk. Maybe he would sober up, they thought. And even if not, he's Hank Williams. A drunk Hank Williams is better than most of us sober. But when it came time for the show, Hank was still hammered. Probably a combination of alcohol and tranquilizers, because he took those two. He tried to get on stage, but Hank fell clean off the stage as he tried to get on backstage. And even for Hank, he was over the top. And it was obvious that he, there's no way that man could perform. And so Hank Williams came to town, came to Rocky Mount, did not play that night or any other night either. Now the show went on but without Hank Williams, even though he was in town. Now, I could end the episode there, but nah, got more. See, Hank died, as you, as we discussed already. He, did, he died on January 1st, 1953, at the age of 29 as a result of alcohol and drugs. Hank's ex-wife, Audrey, did come to Rocky Mount a few years after his death and did a concert, maybe an interview or two. And Tal Pollard continued to perform on the radio from WEED to WCEC, 
where he did the morning mail for 12 years and did the Saturday Jamboree Jam. And he moved to WMPM in Smithfield and the Gold Leaf Broadcasting Network and died 1964, a local celebrity. Big Bill Lister, well, he got Hank's song. And, of course, he recorded Hank's song in 1951. But his record producer said, yeah, no dice, Big Bill, because I can't allow you to record this song since Hank was on a competing record label. So, no. So now Big Bill Lister had a copy, a recording of him singing Hank Williams' song and a recording of Hank Williams singing Hank Williams' song. Lister decided to, you know, completely dejected. He still performed with the opera for years, and but dejected, he just he put the recordings, including Hank's re- recording, up in his attic. Basically, lost to history. Until 1988. See, Lister's wife was cleaning the attic, that same attic, one morning, and came across Hank Williams singing this song that he gave to Big Bill Lister. When he when she asked Bill about it, Bill said, hey, that's Hank's song. And Bill decided that it belonged to Hank's family, not sitting and collecting dust in his old attic. So Bill said it to Hank Williams Jr. That's his kid after all. Now, Hank Williams Jr., whether you like him or not, I'm not a fan. But Hank Williams Jr., he knew an opportunity when he saw it. And so he had his producers to clean up the old recording, remove the background noise, and and while they were doing that, Hank Jr. decided to record a version of himself singing this song that no one else on earth had ever heard except for Hank Williams Sr. and Big Bill Lister. Now Hank Williams Jr. was singing the song. The producers then overdubbed his version on top of old Hank's version so that it sounded like they were singing a duet. And it was released as a single in 1989 where it went straight to number seven on the Billboard chart. It even produced a music video, Hank Williams Sr. in a music video. That's how Hank Williams Sr. won a Grammy, a CMA Award, and won eight video music awards 40 years after he died. Hank considered this song, There's a Tear in My Beer. He considered singing this song. He even said he was thinking about trying to sing the song live for the very first time that night in Rocky Mount. He was going to give it a shot. And, and according to what the records are showing, uh, Josakai Ramblers were quite possibly going to perform on stage, play right along behind Hank's Drifting Cowboys on this song that nobody else had ever heard. Hank was going to try it out one last time. But of course, Hank didn't perform. And so the song had to wait. And one of Johnston's own had a brush with a living legend. Is gentlemen, that, that's it. First episode in a long time, and I really enjoyed um, putting that one together for you, recording it, and I got two more coming. So, looks like we're back rolling again, and uh, pandemic or not, don't even care anymore. Y'all be good.